Broadcasting border to border, coast to coast, sea to shining sea, and around the world, this is Cornerstone Politics. I'm your host, William Reynolds. Welcome to the show. Ladies and gentlemen, before we do anything else, uh, let's play the national anthem. Here we go. Always great to hear our lovely uh, Star-Spangled Banner. Some people hate it. Uh, and if you are one of those people, uh, go read history because you might be surprised. And I don't mean woke history. I mean real history. Ladies and gentlemen, it is a Saturday morning, and I have had my foamed milk as normal. And so I am ready to go. Uh, I'm going to pound into the ground these two stupid gun control bills that passed. Uh, the House yesterday, uh, two days ago, HR eight and HR fourteen forty six. They had they passed two pieces of gun control legislation. Uh, HR is misleadingly not titled the Bipartisan Background Checks Act. It deals with the criminalizations of private transfers, and HR fourteen forty six, a predicated on the false premise that a loophole in Charleston allowed a racist murderer to obtain the firearm which he used to shoot up a church. Uh, seeks to establish a 10 business days waiting period on background checks. Eight Republicans voted for HR8, which passed 227-203. Uh, I'm going to read them out. Uh, Vern Buchanan, Florida. Brian Fitzpatrick, Pennsylvania. Andrew Garbarino, New York. Carlos Jimenez, Florida. Adam Kinzinger, Illinois. Malia, Maria Salazar, Florida. Chris Smith, New Jersey. Fred Upton, Michigan. HR1446 passed 219-210. Uh, with two Republicans, four, two Democrats against the Republicans, four, Brian, Fitz, Brian Fitzpatrick, Pennsylvania, Chris Smith, New Jersey, and those voting against Ron Kind, a Democrat from Wisconsin, and Jared Golden, a Democrat for Michigan, uh, or sorry, Minnesota. All right, let's start with the problem with HR8. Big deal. The bus race for, criminal, for criminalizing already federally regulated private transfers is universal background checks. Uh, they have there's two major fallacies. One says that we lack background checks. This is false. 18 USC 922. Uh, it, 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 you just look at it. it. It says so. Furthermore, private transfers are still regulated, which is why there exist penalties for selling to prohibited possessors or transferring without an FFL across state lines. Second big fallacy that commission 
of a criminal offense with firearms is driven by unaccountable private transfers. That's the need for this law. This law is redundant. We know this law is redundant due to the, due to the presence of penalty on the illegal transfers and out-of-state transport. Contrary to anti-Second Amendment activists' long-repeated claim that 40% of gun sales were performed without background checks. Uh, the Washington Post even rated this as false. Crime isn't driven by criminals who obtain guns via legal private transfers. The majority, and by that I mean 90% of criminals, do not obtain their firearms from a, a retail source. Uh, so this is from uh, BJS, quote, an estimated 287,400 prisoners had possessed a firearm during their offense. Among these, more than half, 56%, had either stolen it, 6%, found it at the scene of the crime, 7%, or obtained it off the street from an underground market, 43%. Most of the remainder, 25%, had obtained it from a family member or friend or as a gift. 7% had purchased it under their own name from a licensed firearm dealer. End quote. Criminals also obtain guns from illegal or straw purchases. They don't have to worry it because 4473 falsifications usually aren't prosecuted anyway. Uh, for those rare criminals, dumb enough to go that route. In Chicago, for instance, felons are not obtaining guns through retail or any other legal means. Assuming that universal background checks work, to make them work, there must be a universal registration of firearms, a firearm registry. The very government that the left called literally Hitler these past four years would know about every single firearm in your possession. But that's the thing. That's the thing. Universal background checks don't work. California already showed us that. This is from the UC Davis Health Newsroom, November 19th, 2018. Quote, study does not find population level changes in firearm homicide or suicide rates in California. Ten years after comprehensive background check and violent misdemeanor policies enacted. Uh, and they go on to quote a little bit. Listen. Criminalizing private transfers will not stop crime because criminals are proven not to use legal channels to obtain their firearms. This law would not have prevented any of the rare recent mass shootings because in the events where the government didn't drop the ball, the murderer stole their weapon. I've talked about this and discussed about it a lot. How do you monitor each and every transfer if the, if the government is unaware of who owns what? All right, we'll do for, uh, 1446 in just a minute. But first, this message from Anchor. All right, let's break down 1446, uh, the second one. Um, it's a f based on a false premise relating to Charleston. You remember what happened in Charleston, Dylan Roof. Uh, broke into, or I didn't break into, but he, he went into a church, shot it up, killed a bunch of people. It was terrible. He was racist. The Clyburn-backed bill would use anti-Second Amendment groups for advice, why would you do that, and establish a 10 business days waiting period, which may take longer than the actual 10 days highlighted. NIC NIC checks are only valid for 30 days per the Brady Act, and pandemic delays have already pushed buyers beyond this period, at which point the application and purchase process must be restarted with no guarantees against any further delays. Waiting periods also endangers the lives of those who need protection, but can't carry police officers on their hips. If you need a gun, if you're, be, if you're in a situation where you need a gun, if you live in a bad neighborhood and you need a gun to protect yourself, if you, need, if you are a, a woman who is being abused and you need to protect yourself, 
if you are a single mom who needs to protect yourself, you have to wait this long because James Clyburn can't handle the fact that the Constitution allows that that we can have guns. Universal background checks are already regulated. It are, you already have to have an FFL. You can't just go on Amazon and buy a gun and have it shipped to your house. You have to have a background check. Not only do you have to have a background check, you also have to have an FFL, a federal firearms license. You have to have a dealer. Okay, it is already hard enough to obtain firearms in the United States of America. We don't need it more. The FBI didn't need more days to accurately identify the murderous prohibited possessor in their custody. They needed component protocol for verifying applicants. The district judge in the case blasted the FBI for disallowing Google searches to confirm the arresting police department in the Charleston case. Until, until 2018, NICS was barred from accessing the, uh, the, the, comp the, the database called uh, NDEX. Uh, and it, it, what it does essentially is it uh, allows you to... Uh, look through different things at, uh, for different criminals. So um, current laws also doesn't require social security numbers to process 4473s. Uh, yet you were to apply for a job, you'd be required to provide your social for more for a more thorough background check. So it is harder to get a job, or excuse me, it is harder to get a job than it is to have a gun. Changing these two things wouldn't require the additional delay of your right with any waiting period. It would remove from the government a tool to indefinitely delay law-abiding gun owners from, from exercising their rights. Law-abiding Americans aren't responsible for government incompetency or error. Yet, unlike us, they are immune to prosecution for it. As if it weren't obvious with the explosion of millions of new firearm owners, and despite anti-2A advocates' insistence, practical and punitive gun control proposals like these are not popular. Uh, in 2017, Nevada Question 1 passed with a 50.4 versus 49.6%, with only one county voting in favor of the measure. 2016, Maine Question 3 failed 51.80 to 48.20. 2014, Washington State Initiative 594 passed with a 59.27% versus a 40.73%, and it is currently being appealed. 2000, 2000 Oregon Measure 5 passed to 61 versus 38.2. If Republicans cave and promise on any and compromise on any registry creation, it delays uh, or right. I'm not sure if anything beyond confiscation is left or Democrats push for even more gun control. These bills have yet to weave their way through the Senate. Uh, we'll talk, we'll, again, we'll, we'll be tracking these as they go along. Uh, but the point is, folks, they're trying to take our guns. They've already taken away our free speech. We can't let them do any more. Um, so now I want to talk a little bit about, uh, uh, the Missouri Senate, Republican Senate primary. So, um, let's see. So Senator Roy Blunt, uh, is announced he will not be speaking re-election. Um, so there's this, there's this hysterical YouTube video of a Bath and Body Works fight. Uh, I'll probably, I'll put it in the description. It's really funny. Um, so here's the lay of the land. Missouri was and still is a solid, a solid Trump state. Uh, before, before challenging Democrat Claire McCaskill for the Senate was a dangerous prospect. After Trump, she was lost in the pro political deluge that carried Trump to victory in 2016 and swept her replacement, Josh Hawley, into office. 
The Missouri GOP hasn't been without missteps, however. They had the Matt Blunt debacle, Todd Atkins debacle, uh, and the Eric Greitens sideshow. Let's look at the players who made jockey for the seat. All right, Greitens, he was initially recruited by the DCCC, the ambitious lifelong Democrats. Uh, he party shopped before determining his best chance at office was with the GOP. Uh, he got in trouble with campaign finance law for not disclosing a private donor list and was fined $1,000. Uh, he also inflated his Navy service in a video made by retired SEALs. Uh, his Greitens accused gubernatorial primary challenger, John Brunner, of orchestrating it uh, until said SEALs came forward to talk to the press. Um, Greitens also was then report accused of reportedly using messaging app Confide that deleted messages once read. Josh Hawley, Missouri AG at the time, was responsible for investigating the claims. Uh... I'm not sure that I ever brought into Holly's statement that technology has any effect on the legal status of a communication. That said, I bring up Holly because he sh because should Greitens run and somehow end up uh, as the candidate, Holly will likely be dragged into the circus, maybe as a punishment for backing Trump, kicking and screaming if the party and the media demand it. So two Senate seats affected a Democrat string. Here's why. After the initial remarks regarding the messaging app, Holly and Greitens went to war with each other. Right after the bombshell regarding Greitens' admitted affair with his hairstylist, acute accusations by Silas that he held her against her will, and photographed her without her consent, he used blackmail. Uh, Holly announced that he was investigating another entirely different Greitens issue. His charity mission continues. The allegation was that Greitens was using the charity's, the charity's donor list to solicit campaign donations, which is a felony. It was one of two felony charges Greitens faced, and the other was the invasion of a privacy charge related to the photographs of his stylist. Holly said Greitens' conduct was serious enough to be considered, a, quote, an impeachable offense and called for Greitens to step down. Greitens fired back, restraining orders, flu, cats and dogs living together, total chaos. Politically speaking, I think Greitens' drama shielded Holly during the Holly contested Senate primary, which Holly eventually won, along with the general boss fight against the then, then incumbent Claire McCaskill. Greitens was indicted, arrested. He lost longtime supporters and donors. The majority of the Republican State House uh, had no problem securing a special se session to explore impeachment. And the Republican-dominated dom House uh, panel found that he ran off the books political campaign, took private charity donor list to raise campaign funds, and lied about it. Um, Greitens resigned from office. Later, the mission continues charge was dropped. The invasion of privacy charge involving the stylus was dropped. Greitens slowly began re-emerging on cable news, maintaining that the scandal was one big partisan witch hunt, except that the panel investigating him was dominated by Republicans. Other Republicans, notoriously not establishment, withdrew support, and the Republican state legislature easily convened a special session. Greitens was in this predicament because of himself alone. Why wasn't he charged? The word from Jefferson City is that his resignation was the trade-off. The state party wanted to avoid the damage spreading to other Republicans. I bring up this gigantic story because Greitens himself is positioned to run. Uh, I adore due process, so I can't say I have anything against the dude other than he comes across as an uncontrollable walking error factory whose conceit and recklessness puts every other Republican, even the good ones coming up from No Funds Grassfieldsville, USA, in the rhetorical crosshairs with him. I don't like sloppy politicians or strategists. Speaking very clinically, I like the candidates who can win and not impair their parties or allies with willfully committed mistakes. mistakes. Okay, Wagner. Wagner, whatever. Uh, she's from Missouri, second district, uh, definitely a safely Republican district. Uh, so Wagner supported censure, not impeachment. Um, 
So if she enters the race, which she has already suggested that she will, she will play to win. She has the connections, the ability to secure friends. And for what I see online, go to wrap her with many of the friends still active in grassroots activism and politics. Um, she will not have an easy primary, especially if some other people enter the race. Uh, Jason Smith, uh, Eric Schmidt, and Secretary of State Jay Ashcroft. So as you can tell, we have, um, we have a very... Uh, a very important kind of uh, new new landscape emerging for us today. So um, let's talk a little bit about Texas's reopening. Uh, so, because people go crazy over this stuff, guys, they they go absolutely insane. Um, so Texas rolled back its mask mandate. Uh, progressive pundits and Razor Texas's CDC guided reopening have remained silent on the newly reinstated catch and release policy of hundreds of untested illegal immigrants. Volunteers must rush to, rush, rush to test illegal entrants before they board transportation and travel throughout the country. In Brownsville alone, city officials discovered over 100 positive cases in just one week. Reformed drunk driver Robert Beto O'Rourke Stopped playing Wonderwall in his furry band long enough to utter some unimpressively asinine half thoughts. Uh, he says stupid stuff. He said, quote, they literally want to sacrifice the lives of our fellow Texans for, I don't know, for political gain, to satisfy certain powerful interests within the state. And, and this isn't hyperbole, he said hyperbolically, end quote. If you want to discuss sacrificing lives, we could revisit this post of all the lives adversely affected or sacrificed for lockdown precautionary measures. We could discuss the businesses and livelihoods sacrificed or the lives of the teenagers, preteens, young children impacted as they fall almost a full year behind in academics and miss major life milestones as not every school is reopened, conflicting with CDC recommendations. My guess is that O'Rourke doesn't want to talk about the impact that releasing untested and infected illegal entrants has on the lives of border residents. Nor does this guy named Kevin, uh, he said, quote, uh, this is in response to someone tweeting about, uh, about, uh, about testing illegal uh, entrance. He goes, you hate brown people so bad. It's a stupid response that it, to the observed hypocrisy about those raging about Texas's reopening, uh, yet silent on COVID positive illegal entrants traveling, freezing throughout the country uh, due to catch and release. Also, because super white Kevin from Utah clearly has never been to the border, there are, quote, brown people living in towns like McAllen and Brownsville who likely oppose free-for-all release of untested illegal entrants into their communities, too. Either the pandemic is a concern terrifying enough to close businesses forever, rob a year of life from children, set schools back a year, enforce policies that cause drug and alcohol abuse rates, anxiety percentages, suicide and abuse to skyrocket, terrifying enough to hysterically invoke rhetoric like they literally want to sacrifice the lives of our fellow Texans. Or it's not. O'Rourke and other Democrats haven't possessed any hysteria over releasing often untested and or coronavirus positive illegal entrants and asylum seekers into the country. In fact, they haven't said a word. I thought they were concerned about the pandemic and the lives affected. Apparently not. This is Cornerstone Politics. We'll be right back. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that's all we have for today. This has been awesome and amazing, and I hope you guys enjoyed it. As always, make sure to subscribe and let me know what you think. God bless.